Welcome back to the Librarian Linkover podcast. I am your host, Laureen Kennard, and I'm so excited to bring you guests who highlight the wide array of skills that librarians use. My guests are changing the paradigm on how we see librarians and helping us recognize the valuable leadership skills that librarians bring to the table. My guest today is Jocelyn Shepard. Jocelyn is the owner of Appalachian Botanical Company. She is growing lavender on reclaimed coal mine land in Ashford, Boone County, West Virginia. I'm excited to talk to her about how being a business owner is a natural fit with her library background. Jocelyn, welcome to the Librarian Linkover. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure, thanks for doing this. So let's get right to it. Why did you want to be a librarian? And based on your career so far, does that reasoning still hold? Okay, great question. Um, I originally started out to be a college English professor. So I went to grad school for English and I got all I got nearly all of the way through. And then my wife, well, she's now my wife, uh, my partner at the time was also in the graduate program. And we made the decision that we would go wherever the best job was. And it ended up she was on a better path for doing that. And so I decided that I could pivot to librarianship. I'd been working part-time in the graduate uh, library at SUNY Buffalo. And so I went, to, I went to library school, I got the MLS, so that when we did land uh, her first job, then I was able to go there and find a job in a local college library. So uh, how that ties in with my original career goals, I think I was always drawn to service Mm -hmm. and education and working in a college library was a perfect fit for that. And mm -hmm. I did it for five years. Nice. So were you always entrepreneurial or did you find that interest from working in libraries? I know you had a consulting business before you started this business. That's right. I think library work really sparked my entrepreneurial side mm -hmm. uh, that, that I really was drawn to finding creative ways to provide service. And one of the things that I did that was reasonably entrepreneurial was reaching out to faculty very proactively to find ways to collaborate, to make the library more useful for the faculty and the staff and especially for the students. So yeah, library, my, my, my time in libraries, my training has definitely tied in with what ended up being that entrepreneurial jolt that I got most recently with starting this company. Mm -hmm. Great. So what, like what traditional library skills, I put that in quotes, what traditional library skills do you use in your business? Oh, it's kind of fun to think back. I, I've, I was always kind of, what's the, I don't know if it's like library bipolar or because there were days I loved bibliographic instruction. I loved working reference. I loved being out there interacting with people. And then there were other days where because I was in a small library, I was the cataloger, I could shut the door <laughs> and, and just concentrate on cataloging books or cleaning up the, oh, at the time, I'm dating myself now, paper card catalog. <laughs> I, really enjoy, I really enjoyed that work. So on the reference side, I would say I have great, ex I, I've benefited greatly for, from my experience doing information interviews and, mm -hmm. and what we might, we might call requirements analysis, really understanding what's the context behind somebody's request for something in order to better meet uh, and fulfill that request. 
So that is definitely relevant when it comes to understanding what customer needs and expectations are or vendor partner needs and expectations. I'm good at asking the questions now that I need to to get a full view of that. So that's the sort of the public facing reference side. The technical services side, um, I liked collection management. I mean, maybe that makes me weird. I don't know. I actually liked weeding collections. <laughs> Yay, yes. Uh, weeding collections or, and, and, and making, making sure reference materials were up to date that we always had the best tools in, in the toolkit in the reference collection and elsewhere in the library. And that's very relevant to what I need to be aware of now to make sure that the people who work for me have the tools that they need, especially up-to-date information. That is so important. So I feel like I'm really in tune with that, thanks to my library background. So, so perfect, <laughs> so perfect. So how do your library skills and experiences make you a better entrepreneur and business owner? How do you add value to your business because of your library experiences? Well, in several ways, I'd say. One is um, librarianship for me was a lot about project management. And that's a discipline or practice that I wasn't really familiar with as such. But looking back at my time in, in, in libraries, it was very much about honing those skills, whether, you know, budgeting, scheduling, putting teams together, defining tasks, tracking tasks, being, mm -hmm. and of course, usually being accountable to some higher power, be it the library director or a dean or, um, you know, some, some, someone else in, in senior leadership at the college. It, I think my library work really contributed to my skills in problem solving. Problem definition, like I was saying a moment ago, the cold requirements analysis. Mm -hmm. Do you know how it is? Somebody comes in and they say, I need X. And you engage with them for some period of time and you realize, oh, you actually need Y. Yes. Well, that is, that's a great skill to have, I'd say in any line of work or being a parent or, or, or a daughter or, or what have you. Um, so definitely my problem solving skills were honed with my library work. And here is something that I was happy to remember as I was preparing for this podcast. I was thinking back to library school and I found that cataloging, the introduction to cataloging was the best class that I had in library school and probably one of the best things that I ever did because okay. it really helped me understand the importance of access to information, right? The, and framing ways to think about things. So sort of the whole, the whole issue of, of taxonomy, mm -hmm. right? that, that that kind of being able to organize concepts is a skill that I honed in library school and then in the library and beyond that. And I do get complimented or I have received compliments in the past. You're so good at being organized and, and putting these, these concepts together in a way that makes it easy for other people to comprehend. And honestly, it was the cataloging class <laughs> that got me, that really brought that out in me, I suppose. Um, and beyond that, being in library school, working in libraries is, has made me so attuned to what goes into the production or the creation Taking of data, creation, creation of information, something actionable, managing that information, and then using it. So 
sort of like from a, a producer to a facilitator to an end user. I've had all those experiences with information and that's been extremely helpful to me. I love when you said the requirement analysis. It's another way to say reference interview. Because this yep. the skills, you know, our skills are so transferable to any other industry or business. We just call it something different. Well, it, it's I think I only recently recycled it because it was 20 or some years old. But one of the most helpful books that I that I that I read, I did not read it cover to cover, and in a moment you'll understand why. It was because it was a requirements analysis book published by Microsoft and it was for software developers. And it was all about how do you really, really find out what your client or what your customer needs and how, what are all the angles you approach it from? How many times or in how many ways do you ask the questions and engage with the different stakeholders you need to engage with so that you get a, as full as possible a view of what they need and therefore what your software application, your database, your, your whatever, your, your lavender product, what does it need to have to make them happy? So it's, it's, it's one of those strange, happy coincidences I came across this book and it just, it reinforced uh, for me very productively the importance of asking those questions in multiple ways of multiple people to help it's, ensure success. It's really a skill to, to have someone ask you for something and you know that's not what they want, but you have to get out of them what they really are looking for and then you find it. I mean, that's really something. That you we know, Laureen, you speak from experience when you say you know that they, that's not exactly what they want. And you know, most of the time you're absolutely right. I think that this perspective that requirements analysis brings, it's you could say it maybe a little more politically correctly and say, we just want to make sure that what they're asking for is what they really need. True. And then my grandmother would say, bless their hearts. <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> That's the challenge though. That, it's a, it's it a nice challenge. It is. So when you're managing people, what kind of manager are you? <sighs> I am more patient than I used to be um, because I hate having to say I'm sorry for <laughs> getting upset because <laughs> nine and a half times out of 10, it's usually not the other person's fault the way I might have thought when I first went in. So I'm, a, I'm more, more, more careful and judicious in, in that way. Um, I try to listen. And I, I, I like being team oriented. I like surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me in certain aspects of what we need to do. I mean, I know ultimately at the end of the day, I'm the one where the buck stops. It's my company, I'm responsible. And I felt that way also as an independent consultant when I would subcontract out to people um, parts, parts of the project, I was always ultimately responsible for them. Um, I like that. I like that approach um, because I never know where the next really great idea is going to come from, or I may have a blind spot and I'm and I'm going to miss something. So I I do like people who are willing to speak up, who are willing to engage. Um, that's so. Those are the kind of people uh, that I like to have. And when it comes to managing them, I try to be a good and active listener. I try to give feedback on an ongoing basis, positive and constructively saying maybe there are areas where we need to improve our communication or you need to be better about a deadline or whatever. Um, I try not to surprise people. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So I think that's something that I've learned that even good surprises are not always good, to, right. depending on the the time you know, the time of day and what I had for breakfast. So <laughs> I I think that those are my management principles. Try to be respectful, listen, engage, and be responsive to people. So if they say that they're if they they're indicating they need something. I try to listen and understand. Maybe we're back to reference interview actually here. Try to understand what's really going on um, so they can do the best job that, that it's possible for them to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, when you're hiring people, what do you look for in an employee other than the actual skills you're looking for? What else do you look for? Well, I'm glad you said it that way, Lorraine, because specific skills it's usually not about that. It is really more about um, personality and temperament. And, and I do like, I'm looking for experience. I'm looking for life experience. I'm looking for work experience. I am really looking for people who, who demonstrate that they can be engaged, that they will care, um, that they can be responsible. They can handle deadlines. They can they can handle sensitive information, uh, that they're, they're honest and open, uh, and that they're accountable. Uh, everybody's going to mess up. Yes, I'm projecting. I mess up frequently. <laughs> Everybody messes up. Um, and so the question is not, are you going to mess up? It's going to be, what do you do when it happens? So are you able to say as some, something as simple as, I'm sorry? Or yet, yeah, you know, that was my fault. I did that. Or I'd like to learn how not, how to avoid that so that I don't do that in the future. That that's what I'm looking for. I think maybe we just call that being a, a mature, responsible adult. That's what I always tell my employees. I just expect you to be a grown up and do your job. Well, though you know, it's like a bottom. That's a baseline. Grown grown up with. And that carries with it maybe some cultural norms, right? That you mm -hmm. that you and I of a certain age or of a certain shared back cultural background, we say what we mean by being a grown up. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that you're able to, you know, you're able to engage with other people. You're able to handle responsibility. Um, you won't melt. You won't melt under some pressure. So yeah, I think we like to think that we attribute that to being grown up. Mm -hmm. And stay young at heart, right? That's right. That's right. So how do you approach a budget? When you created a budget for your business, what were some of the key factors that you considered? Well, budgets are not my strong suit. And I'll just say up front that as I've, I've been in business for a little over three years, and I would have done better to have paid more attention to numbers or had somebody better able to work with me on numbers from the beginning. So I'm doing a little remedial work there mm -hmm. and it's all good. It's all mm -hmm. good. So, in, to go, but to go back to your question, I think the things I consider would be, what are my goals for the year? Um, what is it going to take to succeed? Uh, and that's, you know, people, uh, farm resources, manufacturing resources, et cetera. And then what is that literally uh, going to cost? And then where is that money going to come from? Mm -hmm. uh, so I haven't, I haven't coming from. Yeah. Right. In my case, I have an investor I, who's uh, significantly backing us and I'm, I'm very, maybe that gave me a little 
more sense of what's the word I want security than I would if I were just trying to do this from, you know, taking sales or pre-orders and all that, all of that good stuff. Uh, so I have a, I have a bookkeeper, I have an accountant. Mm -hmm. um, I have, uh, I have an attorney, by the way, that, and you know, somehow this ties in with budgets as well. Mm -hmm. I never realized what a good friend my insurance agent was going to be because <laughs> we need all kinds of insurance because of the work that we do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm surrounding myself with skilled professional grownups. Because right. <laughs> you have a real business. That's right. That's right. That's, I mean, hearkening back for a moment to my 20 years as a consultant, that was a very simple business. I operated as a sole proprietorship. It was just me, and I would then do 1099s at the end of the year for the people who occasionally came on board for specific projects and worked for me. So there was a bit of a learning curve with the budgets. So I think that's a really good question for you to ask for any, so that anybody listening to this and to your other guests will say, you know, there's some, there are financial dimensions to, in my case, having my own business that I had not encountered before. But, you know, it kind of goes with the territory. And so I said, okay, we'll figure this out. Well, and that's what it reminds me of when I had a business as well around the same time you did. And if you don't know how to do something, you, you find someone who can. So you, as you're, you're the owner of the business, you don't need to do your books as well. You know, you're, you don't know what the lawyer knows and the insurance guy. Knows. So it's good to have those people because it's, they already know stuff. You can just ask them. You don't have to start over and learn it all. And there's another, another benefit to working with people like that potentially. In my case, I'm finding that the accountant is becoming a good source of advice. So it's not just merely fill, um, checking the boxes and filling in the forms and, and filing the tax returns. It, important as they are, mm -hmm. it's that some of that bigger picture strategic thinking that they can help me with. I mean, if you're starting your own business, it can be kind of lonely if mm -hmm. you're the main one figuring out the goals and the strategies, and especially when it bumps up against think, uh, tax or legal regulatory issues that may affect your business, you want somebody, I think, who, who not only has the technical skill, but maybe has the experience and the has wisdom that will be helpful to you just as a, as a business owner. No, oh, that's great. When you're talking about your business in your community, how do you frame your library skills or do you? Do you just consider them your skill set? Well, they're pretty much in the DNA <laughs> at this point, right? Yeah. Um, for when I get into when when I get into a conversation with someone where we're exchanging some version of life story, I'm very happy and proud to include the librarianship as um, something that I enjoyed. It was very formative for me as a professional. Um, it's part of my, my life's winding path. I think increasingly I find people who, who are in some amazing line of work or they're doing something really cool. And if you had asked them five, 10 or more years ago, would you be doing, can you imagine yourself doing X? They go, you're kidding, right? So I like the li the librarianship as a way of saying, you know, there are things I've done to organize and analyze and, and do project management and so on that are directly relevant to what I'm doing today. So I'm very, very 
grateful to have had that experience. What kind of information or data do you analyze when you're making decisions? Well, um, to sound, this may sound a little bit uh, glib or flippant, but I truly mean it. As a business owner, I am so surrounded by um, data and I have so much stimuli right now. Mm -hmm. I think the quick answer to your, to your very good question is, I need just enough information and not more. Mm -hmm. And I find great value with the people I've hired who can go and research some options for us, say maybe about our e-commerce platform, where I'll say, you know, go look at the options, please, and, and make a recommendation and back it up with the most salient points that you think that I need to consider so that together we can make the best decision possible without risking getting into the analysis paralysis on the one hand, or sort of shooting from the hip and going on gut on the other. Somewhere in between is, is where we need to be with information. Um, and to use some library lingo, I'd say I get, I get a lot of, um, a lot of my most valuable information comes from primary. <laughs> call it primary research, mm -hmm. conversations, interviews, workshops, seminars. I have always been a networker. I think, in fact, my entrepreneurship has probably expressed itself most consistently over these many years that, that, that I've been working, it, networking and connecting, usually to exchange information or ideas. That, that's been so important to me. Um, and and Again, as a, a former librarian, or as we like to sometimes say, recovering librarian, I, I, I value the reputable third-party sources mm -hmm. that can provide economic or demographic or psychographic data that I, that I need now to understand my customer or my pricing strategy or, oh my gosh, how I should go about promoting our products on, on social media, digital marketing, all that good stuff. Um, I'm also, as a librarian, um, it's helpful to, to understand um, sources of information on state and federal regulation. Now, I'm, I'm happy to say I have somebody who can go research that for me, but it's not, it, it's not oversimplifying to say that it's actually important for me to know that it exists. And that it that it and and that it matters. So, for example, we have a CBD product, mm -hmm. and across the United States, it's a patchwork of regulation um, uh, related to the selling and shipping of a CBD product. So, I knew it was important to have my my analyst go out and and cast a broad net and get information and bring it back, so that we knew that we were setting up our e-commerce correctly so that we didn't accidentally sell to a state where it's prohibited that I know that's, that's maybe super simple but it's a it is an example for me of why some of the things I used to help other people understand are now important mm -hmm. for me to understand that's a yeah. huge thing though and those late, those regulations change all the time you, you, you there's a kind of you know you're you're bringing up a, a very good point and it makes me realize 
that being a good librarian, I think, is being mentally agile and kind of mm -hmm. nimble and being comfortable um, tracking moving targets. You know, mm -hmm. you can't say I learned it once and that's enough. You need to know that there will be times where you need, because of the nature of the topic, the requirement, you need to go in and and continue to learn and adapt and, you know, maybe broaden or refine your thinking or your search strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with what you say. Mm -hmm. How do you think library schools should address entrepreneurship and librarians starting businesses? I think that is a really interesting question. Um, I I think that, do they still call them library schools, Lorraine? You know, some of them are now iSchools. Okay. I think, to your point before about everything changing, mm -hmm. I think that's something that is constantly changing as well. Right. Changed, I, my library school, University of South Carolina, merged with the journalism and Mass Comm College several years ago mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now now I think it's only been a year or so they're now in iSchool some some schools are turning to iSchool because they're focusing focusing more on data right or, right or additionally not more but additionally they're adding data to their bag of tricks right and meanwhile we're like the artisans who like handmade instruments or tools or something yeah okay I'm dating myself here uh so Thinking broadly about library school or school of information management or some of the other some of the other the other things going on, I think it is helpful to think about it in that context, that broader context. Um, I think an entrepreneurial track within a school like that could be a very cool idea. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that it doesn't necessarily need to reside within the library school, but rather forging a collaboration with an entrepreneurial studies program or other types of business programs mm -hmm. um, could be a really neat way to sort of maintain the core value and, and attraction of, of data or information systems or, or library service in the way, you know, you probably you and I engaged with it when we were mm -hmm. in school, that could be extremely good. Um, anything that exposes students to resources and, and a sense of opportunity, like this podcast, right? It's not just for, you know, us older people that we're doing this, right? To think about some possibilities that can grow out of or build upon the experience that we gain and that we love so much in an in information science program. Um, anything that showcases opportunities, careers that have their roots in librarianship, I think is really is really great. I think in the digital world in which we live today, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of um, cross-pollination or cross-cutting cross programming could be extremely useful because um, I think entrepreneurship is, I'm not sure that it's really best taught or learned somehow in a silo by itself. It's more like, it, how is it applied? To people like us who have who have values and life experience and personal and career goals, how can entrepreneurship fit into that and serve as more of a vehicle as opposed to an end in itself? I'm pretty sure my program has you can get like a joint degree with the business pro, business school, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that is more of like being a business librarian, doing business research, which is not the same as entrepreneurial. Now maybe they've added an entrepreneurial track to that. I'm not sure. 
but I definitely think entrepreneurial and business skills are something that library schools should be taking a look at to show students there are a lot of things you can do with your library degree. Or, or come back around to a certificate program or something after mm -hmm. you've been out in the, in the work world for a while. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's some precocious folks out there who pretty quickly know I want to do my own thing as an independent consultant or as somebody who wants to start their own, their own business in their dorm room kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I suspect, okay, here I'm, I'm going to be anecdotal and I, I don't, I don't have the data to, to back up what I'm about to say, but I'm not going to let that stop me. Right. Um, I think those people are pretty rare. I think most of us benefit from exposure to the work world, from exposure to other people and the way things are done, because that's when we can say, I have a better way of doing this, or I have, I can fill a need that's not being met right now. You know, there, there's the entrepreneurial spirit, discovering an opportunity, a market, and, and coming up with a way to, to address that market and fill that need. And I don't know that you get that when you're 20, 22 years old. That's a good point, that it's something that maybe could be a continuing ed down it's, the line. Exactly. And I, I think that, that library schools, information management programs would be ideally suited to welcome back that student to some additional learning, some other, pro, some additional program that could help move them toward, well, the, conf, the, the confidence or the technical skills, the know-how or connections, mm -hmm. sense of community that they need mm -hmm. if, they, if what they want to do is either branch out into, say, another industry sector on the one hand, where they still would like to be an employee. Um, because you know what? It's highly, highly possible to be, and, and I think your earlier question touched on this, you can be entrepreneurial inside an organization. Mm -hmm. Being entrepreneurial does not mean you have to go out and start your own business or your own series of businesses. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea that there could be some programs, graduate programs, continuing ed programs that would help somebody think creatively and entrepreneurially in a variety of directions. In many library situations, we have to be entrepreneurial just to make things happen. They're building something from nothing or you don't have many resources and you've got to figure out how to serve your community. And you have, you've got to do some tap dancing sometimes and those skills come in handy. Do you remember the movie Working Girl with Melanie Griffith? Mm -hmm. All right, I'm sharing here a deep formative moment. The part I love best about that movie was when she's been accused of having stolen the idea from Sigourney Weaver. Mm -hmm. Awesome Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Okay. And she and she's able to demonstrate with, with her idea book how it was pulling what seemingly a random set of events and news clippings and so on into something that then turned into a valuable idea. And I love that. That's what that's what I loved about librarianship and the things I've done since is that ability or, or, or the desire to look at seemingly disparate things and say, how can they come together and create something of meaning and of value? And I think that's what librarians do. And I know you come from the public library world and I suspect you do it even more there, mm -hmm. where it's not you're creating out of nothing, but you're, you're putting together and creating something that didn't exist before, but 
because you see the connections between those very disparate resources. This has been really great, Jocelyn. Um, I learned a ton. Um, so tell us where we can find you on social media okay. and how you can buy your products, especially that purple sweatshirt. Woohoo! The hoodie. Tell us a little bit about your company. Okay, sure. Well, as you mentioned at the uh, at the top of the program, we are growing lavender and reclaimed coal mine land in in southern West Virginia, and it is a great model because our landowner gets rent and royalties. Uh, the coal company that has a reclamation permit up there, they are required to reclaim the land and they put up bond money, serious money that the state holds until they until the company has proven that they reclaim the land. So we can accelerate their bond release so that literally millions of dollars will flow faster back into their pockets so they can go put their money to use somewhere else. I'm creating or we are creating local jobs for a population that has to overcome uh, a lot of barriers to employment, whether it's lack of transportation, lack of, lack of education, lack of formal uh, job experience, uh, formerly incarcerated, uh, we have people in recovery, et cetera. So we're creating opportunity for the people, we're putting unused land back to good use, and we're making some really fabulous products, which you were kind enough to mention, thank you. And you can find those at our site at shop.appalachianbotanical.com. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram. And I guess I'm super proud of our little YouTube channel. We have four to five, like three to five minute videos there where you can get a sense of what it's like to be up there on the farm, on, on the, the former strip mine and see what, what's happening up there. Very nice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is Thank such you. a delight. Oh, it was great. It was great catching up. Thank you to Jocelyn Shepard for being my guest today on the Librarian Linkover. And thank you for listening.